if you are spreading a message to an audience that you know are your potential customers, it can never be in any way detrimental for you. It does help you in some way, maybe not in the very direct way that some people want it to be, like in leads and customers, but it does help you. Hey there, welcome to Brands That Podcast. Each week we talk with the people running podcast strategies at successful brands so you can learn how to grow your company through podcasting. Today's guest is Tim Sulo, CMO at Ahrefs. For anyone who doesn't know, Ahrefs is a super powerful SEO tool that helps you audit and optimize your site improve rankings, find new keywords to target, see what content is performing best in your industry, and a ton more. It's used by brands like Facebook, Adobe, and Netflix to drive content and search strategy. They have about 75 employees, and it does, from the best numbers I could find, about 100 million in annual recurring revenue as a bootstrapped company. Simply put, they're one of the biggest brands in marketing. I really wanted to talk to Tim after learning that he and his team had spent close to $200,000 in podcast sponsorships in one year alone. In our view, podcast ads or sponsorships are a really great way to make an impression on listeners quickly without needing to build your own audience or put in the intensive work to get booked as a guest. I was really curious the kind of results they saw and what they learned coming out from it. In this episode, you'll learn how they spent $214,000 in sponsorships over a couple years, how they measure ROI, and it's not direct sales or leads, how they use qualitative attribution to learn the effect that podcasts were having on their business, how to craft a winning sponsorship partnership, insights for any brands who want to do this themselves, and how they're planning on spending $200,000 a month on creators in 2022. Okay, Tim. Thank you so much for coming on Brands That Podcast. I appreciate your time. I'm excited to chat with you about podcast sponsorship a little bit and kind of your all philosophy around podcast sponsorship. Thanks a lot for inviting. Yeah, absolutely. Complete honor to have you on. Anecdotally, we just signed up for Ahrefs at the end of last year, and we are <laughs> happy users. I was a Moz customer for long before then, and we had tested SEMrush and all the things, and we love the user interface, user experience, the tools are just right for us. So if anyone out there is listening, give it a try. Okay, so I was compelled to chat with you. For anyone who's listening, we're going to put a link in the show notes to a video that Tim and his team put out around their test with podcast sponsorship, linked to an article and a video. But in summary, you all got your start. Correct me if any of this is wrong. You started in 2017 you found five podcasts that seemed like a good fit to sponsor. You created a landing page with a special offer for that audience. You spent about $14,000 to get sponsorships and you tracked it all. And when you looked at all the metrics, you found you had driven 339 site visits to that landing page, 11 signups, which basically, you know, when you reverse engineer the mass was $1,300 per trial sign up at a special discounted deal. So your takeaway at first glance was like, this is not effective. This is not a good channel to invest in. Yes. Just based off of that simple math. However, where I want to start the conversation is you said in the video that you put out that then it wasn't until at first you, your reaction was, okay, we don't want to sponsor anymore. But then you went to some trade shows 
And that's where people began coming up to you and saying, hey, you're sponsoring my favorite podcast. This is awesome. We're not in the market right now. But when we are, you guys are going to be top of mind. And that's when you had this light bulb moment that podcasting is not meant for direct lead acquisition. Can you unpack a little bit about what you mean by that for marketers that are thinking of it the same way they would think about Facebook or Google? Yeah, thanks a lot for referencing this story. Uh, It was really our first experience sponsoring podcasts. And I believe in 2017, in the digital marketing space, sponsoring podcasts was relatively new. So it wasn't as common as today. We didn't have that many podcasts around. The sponsors, like whenever I was listening to some podcasts, I would hear just a few large companies that would advertise. And I thought, okay, why don't we try it? And again, with all the obsession with marketing analytics and such, which I kind of was going through back at the time, we definitely want to track it because if I wanted to get more budget from our CEO and founder, Dmitry, I needed to prove that this is working because uh, you can just throw money and hope it works uh, if you're a business person. So the super interesting part of the story is actually the discount because historically, Ahrefs doesn't give any discounts at all. So we decided that discounts make your product look worse Mm. because people would just expect discounts and they would think that paying full price for it is stupid if you can just find the discounted price. And overall, it kind of undermines your work. Like, what, your product is so bad you cannot sell it at full price? Or the full price Mm. is so, like, high or, or something? Like, we're not a fashion brand that needs to release a new line of clothing every season so they have to sell out whatever is left in their warehouses and such. Otherwise, I don't know, rats would eat it or something. So yeah, we, we didn't have that problem and we, we had a no discount, strict no discounts policy. But for the sake of the experiment, I managed to persuade our founder, Dmitry, to do discount this one time and it failed. So this is very interesting part of the story because I know that if I just go to Reddit, SEO subreddit or like marketing subreddit and post that Ahrefs is selling packages at, I don't know, 30% discount for the first six months, we would get many more leads from that than we got from sponsoring those five podcasts back in the day. So I think that the discount for people who were in the market for an SEO tool should have been a good trigger, Mm. but it wasn't. It wasn't. So this is why we realized that for direct lead acquisition, like what else should we we tell people? We'll give you an iPhone if you sign up for Ahrefs. This (laughs) is what would make them sign up. So we knew those podcasts have an audience because we didn't just sponsor any podcast. That was our first time doing this. So I actually picked the podcast that I was listening to, that I knew that they have credible hosts, They have great guests. They have very interesting episodes. And I myself was among the audience of those podcasts. So I knew that they have listeners. I knew that people would hear our message, but no one was taking action. So yeah, this is when we thought that probably podcast advertising people just don't care about your ad or something. But then later, as I was going to conferences and as I was meeting with people and like back in 2017, HFs wasn't that widely known in the SEO and marketing community. We, we've grown quite a bit in, in those last five years. And as I was meeting people and uh, they were asking me, where do you work? Uh, I, I'm saying I'm working in uh, at HFs, an SEO tool. 
Uh, and they, oh, yeah, I think I've heard you on the podcast, so I don't need ICO today, but I will definitely try you later. So yeah, that's basically the story. So that was the moment, I think you summarized it in the video as the two main values you discovered was improving brand awareness and improving brand affinity. So you said you realized you were building affinity with people. They were feeling the sense of like, oh, this company is providing our favorite show to us. So there was this sense of almost like, not loyalty because they're not customers yet, but this sense of gravitation toward your tool. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I knew that those shows had an active audience and a credible host. I think this is the most important part for anyone who is looking to sponsor podcasts. You have to make sure that you're not sponsoring someone whose numbers are inflated in any way or like a person that's just doing it for like, I don't know, themselves and their friends. So I knew that people would hear our message. So then it depends if we're choosing the right audience. So if I would go and sponsor podcasts about, uh, I know, hiking, they are probably not in the market of SEO tool. So I knew that uh, I need to choose the right audience. For us, these were website owners, online entrepreneurs, marketers, of course. They were hearing our message. So multiple things are at play here. One of them is the uh, so-called mere exposure effect. People who are not aware of it can search for it on Wikipedia. What this psychological thing says is that the more people are exposed to a certain thing or a certain brand, in this case, the more they develop affinity for it. So when they need to make a choice between a few options, and they've heard about one option before many times while other options weren't anywhere on their radar, they would go for the option that they seem to know just with those fleeting Mm. mentions that they might hear on the podcast. And then a lot depends on the message that the podcast host is saying and if they are themselves familiar with your product. Because it's one thing when they read a scripted message, like our show today is sponsored by HRS, blah, blah, blah. It helps you with SEO. Uh, Let's get on with the show. Or they might talk from their own experience, like Ahrefs is a tool that I've been using for my own SEO for quite a while. I've been recommending it to my friends. My friends were recommending it to me and it helps me get more search traffic, blah, blah. So when it's more natural, people tend to listen more attentively. So when the host, when the person that those people trust, because every time they download the podcast episode and they want to listen what's on the mind of this person, when this person is giving almost like a genuine recommendation, I mean, the recommendation is genuine because they're using the tool. It's just we're paying them for the time that we're taking from their podcast to talk about us. Otherwise, if uh, a podcast host is already a customer, that is a perfect scenario for us. So yeah, uh, multiple things are here. People get exposed to our brand. The more they hear it, the more they develop the affinity. And we get associated with the host, a person that they know and trust. And overall, if you are spreading a message to an audience that you know are your potential customers, it can never be in any way detrimental for you. It does help you in some way, maybe not in the very direct way that some people want it to be, like in leads and customers, but it does help you. I think that's one of the key things that I'm hearing you say and something we believe is 
if you know the download numbers are there, you know the type of people that are listening, you know your message is getting out there, all you have to do then is say like, well, if no direct action is taken, do I still think it was impactful? And in what ways was it impactful? So I want to get to where you actually fast forward. In a moment, I want to jump to where you spent $200,000 almost on sponsorships, despite at first what might have seemed like a failed experiment. You realized that people are actually listening, they're resonating with the message. Even if it doesn't convert right away, you're realizing you're building this affinity and this brand trust. But for some practical takeaways for people, listeners like need to appreciate this. You did this really early. Like a lot of people are considering sponsorship now. 2017, not that many brands were sponsoring. <laughs> yes. There were not nearly as many podcasts that have been developed in the past four years. Did you choose all five based on ones that just you were listening to? Like you were a fan of them? Yeah. Okay. And how did you get their numbers? So you did this all internally, right? Too. You didn't hire like a podcast ad agency or something. No, no. I did this all by myself. I reached out to those people. You mean, how did they get their numbers of downloads and such? Yeah. I was asking them. You just said, can I sponsor this podcast? And well, I'm curious, did they have like, if I have found if you go to like really popular blogs or like Instagram influencers or whatever, they have media kits and they're like, oh, we charge this much for this. this did the podcasters at that time have pricing ready or did you have to negotiate that with them and get numbers that they didn't offer you? This was five years ago. So I'm not entirely sure in my answer. But I think none of them had any media kit and they had to reach out and ask for prices and their download numbers and such. I also think that maybe one or two podcasts that we sponsored didn't even have any sponsorships before that at all. So we were kind of the first people that they took as a sponsor. But I may be wrong about this. It's just what my memory tells me. Yeah, yeah, no, totally understandable. And I think you said in the video, it ranged between five and 30 cents per download was like the number that it's somewhere ranged in there. Yeah, I think that sounds about correct. Okay. So then you anecdotally figured out what was a good fit. You were able to get them to share the numbers. You kind of agreed upon a price. And then you mentioned, I think you bought them in, did you buy the sponsorships in packages or did you pay per episode or did you have a way of testing it or did you just kind of jump in and like commit to the ad spend? So from our experience, and we've sponsored quite a few podcasts so far in our space, I don't think there's a standard in the podcast sponsorship industry. Each host, each person would frame their pricing in different ways, whatever they think is correct. So the price per thousand listens, let's call it that, would be very different based on how the podcast host values their audience. So some might think our audience is like high profile business people, blah, blah, blah. This is why even though the audience is not that big, I'm going to charge premium because I know these people have high purchase intent. Also, some people are dedicated to packaging their pricing and say, we're also going to promote it on social media. We're also going to send email newsletter. But on the other hand, I am paying to kind of tap into your audience. So if you are not sending your podcast episodes to your email newsletter, how do they know that a new podcast episode is out? Because if you subscribe in the podcast app for a lot of episodes, uh, you kind of compete with many other podcasters. And unless you get an email with the person you're following and they pitch like, we had a great episode with this and that, 
we discussed this and that. Yeah, it's one thing when a sponsored message is being included in the newsletter. It's another thing when the podcast episode itself is being sent to their email newsletter. The terms vary a lot. The more podcasts you reach out to, the more leverage you have. Because between those people, you start to develop the averages. And you know if someone is trying to charge you Uh, way above the average or if someone is charging you way low. But you usually don't tell them when they underprice themselves. (laughs) (laughs) But you kind of have that to anchor against. You can say, well, I've actually reached out to five other podcasts with the same numbers and they're only charging blank. Like you seem a bit high and you can kind of negotiate. Exactly. This is why you shouldn't just uh, pay whatever the first podcaster tells you. You should reach out to about a dozen and see like what's the average in your industry and then negotiate from there. Again, you're not coming to, I don't know, Louis Vuitton store. I think they are known to not give any discounts or bargaining. You are talking to another person who wants to make money so you can negotiate with them. If they don't want to give you any discounts on the price, then you can ask for some, I don't know, extra tweets or an extra inclusion on their email newsletter which in a way doesn't cost them much. So yeah, you can be flexible. And there's always room for negotiation, unless, of course, they have a huge queue of people who are interested to sponsor their show. But you usually know it because if you reach out to them about sponsorship and they tell you, I'm sorry, like the first slot is six months from now, then you know that your negotiation tactics would be limited. Right. That makes total sense. And something you shared too that was interesting to me was you made the point that even the download metric can't always be trusted because they like to give you this number. Like if you reach out to a show, they'll tell you, oh, this is how many downloads per month we get. And they like to lump it into the monthly number. But to your point, a lot of people, like if they're subscribed on Apple, that downloads anyway. That doesn't mean that it listens though. Like it doesn't mean that you're buying that many listens. So how did you think about that metric? Yeah, again, uh, it's been quite a few years, but I feel that The podcasting is still a wild west in terms of working with marketers and sponsorships because back when I was researching downloads, yes, it's not only when your episode gets downloaded to people's phones, it is counted as one download. I think somewhere I was reading in one paper is that when connection breaks and it downloads like half of the podcast and then you start listening and it downloads the other half, it would be two downloads. So it's kind of per connection. I may be wrong about it, but I think I've read something about the downloads metric. I think if people would Google for how podcast downloads are counted, they will see uh, lots of interesting information. It also can be that if you have iPad, iPhone, and podcast app on your computer, this could be three downloads because it downloads to each of your devices. Right. So the, the downloads metric is very sketchy. And when you reach out to podcasters, and they give you the monthly number of downloads rather than downloads per episode, and specifically the latest episodes that they have, it gets even sketchier because what's the value for you in knowing how many podcasts, like hundreds of their previous episodes are getting per month? If you're only going to sponsor your next episode and the exposure would be what is the downloads count of that average episode? And yeah, you should uh, treat the downloads number with uh, a little bit of suspicion because like I said, downloads doesn't mean listens. It also applies to where your sponsorship message is at because if the podcaster is only willing to talk about you at the end of the episode, 
Then we have the drop curve. When people start listening to the episode and the further it gets, the less people will get there. So the number of people that will hear your message at the very end of the show is even smaller. So yeah, I wish some standard would be developed where you would have precise analytics and then lots of people syndicate their podcasts to Apple, Spotify, PodFM. And I believe there are many platforms that where you can syndicate your podcast and each of them is generating a little bit of downloads for you. And I believe there's some software that kind of show that can show you some aggregated numbers, but still those numbers are very strange. So I would first and foremost, I would look for people who are famous in their industry, who already have audience across a few social media platforms. Because if, if someone is telling you that they have wildly popular podcasts, but then you check their Twitter following, you check their LinkedIn following or Instagram, uh, yeah. and there is like crickets there, then their podcast downloads are probably not as good as they might want them to be. Because if you have a huge audience that are listening to you, I'm sure that a fraction of this audience would go and follow you on Twitter, would go and follow you. Like, look at Joe Rogan. The guy has, like, anywhere, like, whatever social network, if he would post something on TikTok, he would immediately get, like, hundreds of thousands of following there. So, yeah, look at some other uh, social networks as well to validate that you're speaking to a person who really has a large audience. That's such a good tip because there's so many metrics that they could pull. And one of the points you made in the video, people really need to watch that is that it also depends on the platform, like that the listener is listening to, like how they aggregate downloads and and listens and stuff. So yeah, I, I love that tip to check out the rest of their platforms. So you all went on despite this, once you realized that there was this affinity and brand awareness play, I'm curious, what was the conversation like with Dimitri, because for those people who don't know and haven't watched your video, you all went on to spend $200,000 in sponsorships the following year from 14000 So what was that conversation like? Although you couldn't tie exact direct revenue back, how did you kind of get buy-in to go do that? Uh, that's a great question. And I don't think my answer would be any valuable for our listeners because I think uh, <laughs> Dimitri, our CEO and founder, he inherently understands marketing. That's the first thing. I think he can see when something is BS or when something has potential to work. And like I said, he perfectly understands that if people have large audience who are tuning in to listen to them, we can identify who these people are. It makes sense to ask these people, to sponsor these people and to make them talk about our tool. In terms of budget itself, Dimitri is... uh, he bootstrapped HFs, so there is no venture capital involved. He's the only owner of the company, so he doesn't need to report to anyone and double-check his decisions. And uh, given that our marketing spend, basically since I joined, was relatively low for the company of our size. I mean, back in 2017 and 2018, the entire marketing department was four or five people, and we didn't spend money on ads that much. We promoted our content a bit, but our paid traffic budget was, I don't know, maybe $5,000 a month or something. And that's for the company that was making wow. like $50 million per year. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Our marketing was so organic. We were getting so much free traffic and our lead flow was basically all free that Dmitry didn't really have any problems to allocate 
some budget to start promoting us in places where otherwise it is very hard to get organic mentions. Yeah. Because if, if bloggers are talking about SEO and they're writing articles about SEO, essentially all we need to do is uh, create useful tools that they would want to talk about, create use cases that they would want to share with their audience. Uh, in terms of podcasts, when people are talking about online business, it's not always that they would talk about SEO because there are too many other things that they could be discussing uh, along the lines of their business. And to make sure that we uh, participate in this conversation, there is the message about HRS, uh, you have to pay people. Even though we do get quite a few organic mentions in the podcast, uh, in different podcasts, it is still not as many as we would have wanted it to be. So yeah, I was in a very unique position. I don't think many companies are experiencing such a big incoming amount of free leads, inbound leads, organic leads, and uh, they are not venture-backed. And the founder understands how marketing works and supports the initiatives just based on the fact that they make sense. Yeah. So the first tip for anyone listening is if you can't get buy-in, go work for someone who understands yes. <laughs> marketing and then you can get buy-in for the things you want to do. How did you choose the podcast for the $200,000 spend? So you listened to the, you were a fan of the first five. Were you a fan of all the rest of them? Or at that point, did you kind of like apply sort of a bigger framework for what you would go find? So I won't play smart and I wouldn't say that we developed some sophisticated system. This was honestly a hit and miss. Looking back, I think that the right strategy would be to first reach out to as many podcasts as we can to understand their audience, to understand if the host is even familiar with HRFs, because what we figured out is that when the host is already a user of your product or familiar with your product, the message gets so much better. And uh, when people sign up for HRFs, we have a small field, where did you hear about us? Uh, and many people would actually put the names of the podcast host or the actual podcast where they heard about us. Uh, so we, we do like track it in some way. We can compare if we sponsored some very big podcast and a super small podcast. Uh, we, we might see how many people would mention uh, the host of the podcast while registering for HFs. So yeah, I wish we would reach out to many more podcasts first to create that spreadsheet and to outline those different things, like how much does it cost? How many downloads they get per episode? How many episodes they release per week? That is also important because uh, if someone is posting every day, then not every one of their listeners is tuning in. If someone is posting like uh, once a week, I think that's a better schedule. But uh, yeah, we, we can debate about that. And then, yeah, how much does it cost? And like I said, if the podcast host is already a fan, and then by comparing those metrics and variables, we would pick the best ones, the lowest hanging fruit. But in our case, we were reaching out to two or three podcasts in a row and negotiating with them and simply not sponsoring if someone has exorbitant prices or, or wasn't interested in, or like their audience wasn't a bad fit. So yeah, we didn't have a good strategy back then, but I would suggest people to reach out to at least 20 different podcasts yeah. before choosing the first one to sponsor. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I imagine another metric you might want to look at is does that price include a beginning ad or mid-roll ad? Or is it like you said before, like, is it at the very end, which 
if you had to choose A or B and B is at the very end, you'd want to choose A if it's a mid-roll ad and the price is the same and the downloads are the same. Yes, yes, absolutely. One other hack, I don't remember if it was mentioned in any articles or videos which we wrote, but we came up with a hack that we can offer uh, the podcast host to give away our tool on their show uh, in exchange for engagement. So for example, uh, a lot of podcasters, they want their audience to leave reviews or they want their audience to tweet about the episode, to spread the word about it. So what we said is that we can give you, I don't know, three accounts or one account, annual account, uh, and you can give it out to your audience in exchange for whatever you like. So it's up to you what would be the conditions of, uh, oh, wow. of getting the account. And they were usually asking for reviews of their podcasts or for tweets, for some kind of engagement that would actually benefit them. And for us, for the price of one annual account, we were getting about 90 seconds of extra airtime on their show. And also the attention of people was higher because it's one thing when you're listening to the show and you just don't care about the sponsorship and you just want to listen to the meat of the podcast. It's another thing when you are presented with a chance to get something valuable for free. So you listen carefully. Okay, so they're the sponsor and the, yeah, I can get it for free. So what is it? It's an SEO tool. Okay, HS is an SEO. It burns into your mind the idea, the brand and what it does a little better if there's an opportunity to get it for free. So that was a little hack that we developed, but then we had to let it go because similar to our policy with uh, discounts, we realized that creating giveaways of our software also kind of undermines it in a way. Mm. It's as if we are desperate to get leads, so we have to give it out for free. So right now we have uh, no discounts policy, but for any early stage company that needs to get traction on the market, I would definitely recommend when they're sponsoring podcasts, do a giveaway. It gives you extra airtime, extra attention for no additional cost in dollars. And actually, right now, we came up with another hack. I'm going to share it with the listeners. So again, instead of doing the beaten sponsorship message, blah, 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 this podcast episode is sponsored by da, da, da. They do this and that. Okay, let, let's go on. What we're now trying to do is pitch to podcast hosts a sponsored question. Oh. So as they're talking with their guest, uh, we would say, so instead of doing a regular ad in your podcast, let's come up with some interesting question about SEO and uh, call it a question from our sponsor, anything about SEO. And then just in the flow of conversation, they can naturally ask their guest if they're using HFs or not. Not a big problem if they're not using, it's fine. And then they can ask them a question about SEO and frame it as a question from the sponsor. So you get a very natural plug of the brand into the actual podcast and you get people, you don't break the attention of the people because when the ad starts, some people would even hit like fast forward 30 seconds to skip it. I usually do that. I do that. Yeah, I do that too. I do that all the time. Yeah, but <laughs> if you hear that it's a question from the sponsor and sponsor is a chefs, and so the question is about SEO and you like quickly chat with your guest if they are doing SEO, if they're using HFs and all that, this is a sponsorship message that it is hard to skip because it's part of the conversation. So that is what we're oh, starting to pitch uh, right now. 
That is one of the most clever ideas I've ever heard. I've talked to a lot of people now at these brands and I love this idea. This idea could be adapted in so many different ways, but what a clever... Uh, so have you begun testing that yet? Has any like sponsored question rolled out? Not yet. So we just started offering because I don't think all of the podcast hosts will agree to that. Okay. But we'll see because I, we just started offering that. You can call it $200,000 idea because we didn't have it uh, before we spent that much money on podcast sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. It takes time yeah, to yeah. do lots of the same to get bored of it and start thinking creatively to figure out what else can you do. Yeah, it's an expensive <laughs> idea. But one thing I want to talk about is crafting the actual message. So like you said earlier in the interview, you mentioned, and this makes a ton of sense to me, like when I listen to ads... I would say probably one out of five, I listen to a lot of shows. So probably one out of five that do ads, the host actually uses the product and doesn't do an ad read. They just authentically pitch it and are like, I love this and here's why. Do you have any tips for getting the host to try the product so they can do a more hearty, natural read and really believe in it? Does this involve like less scripting and more just giving them bullet points or letting them try them? Like, what does that look like? How can people listening who want to do this get hosts to give a more natural endorsement versus just like, I'm going to read a script and get paid my money. Other than offering them to, it's not a trick, but the way to get the host talk about you naturally, the only way that I see is if they would use the product themselves. Do they need your product? Are they the target customer? If they are, which in our case, if the host has, I don't know, a marketing agency, or if they have a website where they want to grow their traffic, or if they own a company and they want to grow traffic to the company and they need our tool, then it is easy. They are either already using our tool or they are open to explore it and get almost like a free consultation. You jump on a 30-minute call with them, you plug their website into your tool, and you show them the stuff that it can do for you. So whatever tool you have, if you think that the podcast host would benefit from using it, just give it to them for free for like a limited period of time. I don't know, depends on your tool. Help them set it up. Help them understand what it can do for them. And that's it. If it would be useful for them, they would absolutely talk about it naturally without any scripts and they would give a genuine endorsement. If they don't need the tool, there's nothing you can do. There's no way to persuade. They're just, it's yeah. like trying to sell something a person doesn't need to that person. Uh, you cannot do this. So, which is why I am saying that you have to reach out to at least 20 podcasts and give preference to people who already know you or use you, or at least yes. offer them, like, if you want to learn more about our software, it can actually be useful for you. It can do this, this, and that. We can jump on a like, 15-minute call. I can show you how it can improve, I don't know, your productivity, your website traffic, your lead flow, your website design, whatever your tool does, your team communications. Uh, if they would be interested to try it, you should definitely connect with them and spend that extra time to help them set it up. Because again, you don't just think in the box of the single podcast sponsorship. You should think about them starting to use your tool and becoming a genuine advocate. Mm. And then you will get wow. quite a few free mentions whenever the context is right. Yeah, They would mention your tool even if you're not paying them. Because you already gave them your tool for free. You taught them how to use it. They feel this personal extra connection with your company. 
because they're not just a random person who signed up from the website and never connected with any people in your company. Uh, you reached out to them, you showed them everything, you helped them set it up, and it is working for them. So other than those sponsorship messages, you can pretty much expect that they would give you a shout out on Twitter, or if a friend asks them for a tool that does this, they would say, oh, like these are great guys, they connected with me, they set it up for me, blah, blah, blah. So don't just think about the ROI you'll be getting from that call in terms of the podcast sponsorship. Think that you are making a person with a large audience your brand advocate. Yeah, man, that is such a good insight. I think it's so wild to think about because you could pay for five sponsorship spots at a show. Maybe someone from the sales team spends an hour or two with them. feels like you're bending over backwards that you're not going to see the return. But if they end up actually driving more traffic with Ahrefs, they're going to mention you for years to come if you're their favorite SEO tool and you won't be paying for that anymore. You got that for paying for five spots and putting in a little bit extra work up front. Such good insight. My last couple questions here is, um, you mentioned the attribution. So this is something we've added to our site is a required field, but it's just an open form and just says, how did you hear about us? Uh I think this is super important. I think your video had a screenshot of this, but you all do similar. And so if someone says like, I heard about you on the Pat Flynn podcast or something like that, does that connect to your CRM so you can actually see like signups or closed deals or anything? Or you just kind of, it doesn't go that far, but you just get a good sense of where they're coming in. It is ad hoc. Okay. Usually, whenever we feel we overpaid for something, uh, we would then go and see how many mentions of that person or that podcast we got <laughs> after the episodes go out. And if we feel that we didn't get as many mentions compared to some other people we sponsored who were cheaper but looked like they have a similar sized audience, we understood that our intuition didn't lie to us and we overpaid. So usually we don't even look there because we use all those other signs to identify if a person has large enough and relevant audience. And then comparing to all other people in our Excel spreadsheet, we can see if we are paying the right sum of money for sponsoring them. But once in a while, we would definitely when So it usually happens at the extremes. So if we overpaid or if someone is a huge fan and we listen to how they plug HRFs and they're doing an incredible job. You naturally want to, it feeds into our Slack. We have like a separate channel for like registrations. Okay. You naturally want to go to the channel on Slack, do a search for that person's name and see like how did their message resonate with, with their audience in terms of the registrations that we've got. Whenever something stands out or like I know goes down, how to say it, we would go and check the, the amount of registrations, uh, but we don't methodically track it all the time for every sponsorship. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. All right, getting to the last couple of questions, I want to respect your time. This has been super helpful though. Something we say a lot is be the content, not the ad for the exact reason that you said, which is if people get familiar with the ad in the specific show, they just like, oh, yep, here it comes the middle ad read, duk, 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 fast forward. I'm curious about this. I don't know. Is there such a thing as a sponsored interview? Like you mentioned a sponsored question. Is it possible that you could ever like sponsor and get Dimitri on or like you on a show and go on and talk to or have you not come across anything like that? Definitely. Well, they are not common. Let's say this. Okay. If this is a quality show, they wouldn't have you just because you're paying them money. Right. So if someone is asking for money to feature you on their show, it's a bad sign. 
from my experience, it's a bad sign. So I had one show <laughs> when I had that to pay to appear there while I was getting lots of inbound invitations to come to someone's show and talk about marketing. I wanted to get on one relatively famous show and I pitched them and I realized that they're not taking any free guests at all. Oh, wow. So it was okay. I'll try to pay money and see how it goes. And the experience was horrible. Mm. Basically, they made me fill a questionnaire with like five or six questions that I want to be asked. And then when I connected with the host, I never heard from them ever since up until the call. And when we connected over the call, the host was asking me those questions word for word. He was basically reading them from the document. And I was even a little bit taken aback because I didn't expect that the guy would be asking me the questions in in the exact way as I was wording them. Because I was hoping that I would provide kind of the general direction of what we could talk about, not the specific question. So it was very awkward. (laughs) This was the only show uh, when I had to pay. But I also had inbound invitations. Do you want to come on our podcast? I was like, okay. So the prices are like this. I was like, sorry, no. Wow. Usually when this is a good show, you, you cannot get there just by paying your way. And if you do, from my experience, that doesn't work well. Okay. I can't believe that that's a thing that people would like reach out to you and then be like, okay, but if you want to come on, it costs this much. And like, you just have to answer these questions. That's wild. They frame it really, I cannot say nicely. Nicely is a bad fitting word there. <laughs> you cannot just say the word nice in regards to that. But they frame it in a way, at this moment, we are only looking for sponsor guests. So if you're interested, you can uh, review our, I know, media kit or blah, blah, blah. So it takes you a few seconds to realize that they actually want money from you. So they're not as blunt, like if you want to come pay money, they kind of frame right. it in a way where it feels less upfront, but I don't know, still feels bad. So... My last two questions. Are you planning to sponsor any shows? Are you currently are planning to sponsor any shows in 2022? So actually, I'm not sure if you've seen this or not, but in December, early December, we have announced that we are reallocating our monthly paid traffic budget away from big companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter where we usually promote our stuff because this is the platforms where almost every performance marketer goes to to promote their stuff. So our monthly budget for those platforms is around $200,000 because we are a pretty big company at this point. In December, we decided that we are going to take it away from those big companies and put it in the hands of individual creators, podcast people among them. So just in December alone, we spent $200,000 sponsoring not podcasters only, but just people who have audience. Those could be people who have audience on Twitter. Those are people who have email newsletters, people who have blogs and podcasts, of course. So in December alone, we spent $200,000 on this campaign. We reallocated our regular paid traffic budget. And in 2022, yes, uh, partnerships and sponsorships is going to be one of our biggest spending items in our marketing plan uh, because I feel that (laughs) it does pay to pay to individual creators. You form relationships in that process. You educate them on your brand, on your product in the process. 
So basically, while otherwise those people are too busy to learn about your product and what you do, while otherwise, if they would, they would get excited about this, you can pay for their time. And essentially, if your product is good, if you have some value to give, you can turn them into your fans. So what we've experienced is that oftentimes, even after we stop sponsoring a person, that person keeps talking about us naturally. Oh, cool. And this doesn't mean that, okay, this person is talking about us naturally, so we're not going to sponsor them again. No, we are going to sponsor them again because they would talk more. So this is an interesting kind of dilemma which we discussed in our team. If we're paying people to talk about us, how do we make sure that they won't stop if we stop paying? So it feels like a very transactional relationship. Yeah. What we figured out is that we're not paying people to talk about us and to be our advocates, but we're paying people for their time. So it's one thing if you're recording your podcast episode and you're just casually telling your guest that HRFs is a great tool and you've used them, blah, blah, blah. You have just a natural conversation. It's one thing. It's another thing where we ask you to create a Twitter thread with your best tips of HRFs and share it on Twitter because you wouldn't otherwise do it. Because why? And then you're getting paid for it. We pay you to create content. We pay you for your time. You pay it, you post it. Same with videos. We were sponsoring some YouTubers. It's one thing if you already have a channel about marketing and you casually mention some HRF functionality because it's almost impossible to talk about SEO and not mention something from HRFs. Yeah. It's another thing when we ask you, can you please record a video about this featuring HRFs? We're going to pay you. So what we decided that we're paying for is not for loyalty or being our brand advocates, but for their work, but for their work, creating something that they wouldn't otherwise create because it takes too much time and attention from the other stuff that we have. So that is more or less our strategy. Right, right. That's brilliant. I cannot wait to see some of the results from that. I'm sure you'll put out articles and videos about it. Yeah, yeah, we will. I'm going to check out, we'll have to link that article in the show notes. I did not see it. I'm curious to dig in more about why you're allocating the ad spend away from those big platforms, but I love it. I love the... It's just one tweet and it got uh, massive support from the community. We got lots of people tagged there, like you should sponsor this person, you should sponsor this person. We got tons of retweets, tons of likes. And then we also translated this tweet because we started doing a little bit of Spanish marketing and we launched almost a brand new Spanish Twitter account. And our Spanish guy translated that tweet into Spanish and almost that Twitter account, we got tons of engagement and connected with tons of people from Spanish marketing space. So it was a very, very good initiative for us to connect with people and start forming those partnerships. That's so incredible. I cannot wait to follow that and see what happens. My last question is, you've been on the sponsorship side of the shows. Have you considered it all? Is it in the plans at all that you'll ever, I'm kind of waiting for an Ahrefs like SEO podcast to roll out at some point. (laughs) Do you have any plans for it too or not really? We are definitely talking about it for quite a few years now. Okay. But because our company vision is to do things in the highest quality possible, right now we just don't see how to make the kind of show that would stand out from everything else, like massively stand out. So which is why we don't want to launch 
a show that people would say, yeah, it's good, but it's no better than the other shows. We want to yeah. launch something that would be unique, original. That's in the core of our marketing. We want to come up with something new. So, so far we didn't have, uh, no, we did have some ideas on how to make an absolutely unique show, something that hasn't been done before, but it required too much preparation and uh, too many people involved that we backlogged this idea for later. And maybe once we grow our marketing department a little more, we'll be able to afford uh, throwing a few people at this idea and seeing what we end up having. Okay, makes a ton of sense. It's been exciting to see like what HubSpot is doing, just purchasing existing podcasts to build a network, which is pretty unique. Like I've seen, I'll be speaking with Drift soon, like Drift and Salesforce are doing some exciting things where they're creating a podcast for each ICP that they're targeting. But this idea of purchasing existing podcasts and adding it to a part of a network is interesting. So I figured you all must have ideas somewhere in that realm. So it'll be cool to see what you come up with in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Tim, I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been incredibly valuable for anyone at any company who's looking to sponsor shows. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot for inviting. And thanks for asking super smart questions. It's been very interesting to answer them. And I hope the listeners got some tips for themselves and would have more confidence about using podcast sponsorships as one of their marketing channels. Yeah, I'm going to break all these things out. We're going to share them, <laughs> all these tips on our social accounts and stuff. These were amazing insights. So thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If there's a company you'd like us to interview or a question you want us to answer on the show, just let us know. You can ask us at brandsthatpodcast.com or DM or tag Lemon Pie on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. And if you want to reach your audience on podcasts that they're already listening to, be sure to check out lemonpie.fm. Lemon Pie.